Joy McGowan. I'm Denisha Simpson. And, and we, we are Resilient, Resilient Black, Black Women. A black woman gave us life. A black woman taught us to stand. When she sat down in the front, a black woman defied the man. When a black man rose up, it was a black woman that held his hand and gave him strength beyond themselves, something they could never understand. Welcome to the podcast, y'all. We are really excited to be having this episode. This episode is all about Juneteenth. And um, I know we normally kind of start off with like a check-in. So how are you doing? <laughs> I'm here, right? Like, <laughs> Part of Juneteenth is like we celebrate, we go to a park somewhere and celebrate outside. So I'm looking forward to that type of weather. Yes. Yeah, same here. I mean, this is what, 36 weeks of me being pregnant. So mm-hmm. I am I, physically, my body is tired mm-hmm. because it is ready to deliver a baby. Um, but also, I am really excited to talk about uh, this topic for today. I think it is um, on point and it kind of just goes in with other episodes that we've been talking about so far, um, like our black joy and grief and rest. And so, I'm really excited about this Juneteenth episode. Um, Today, y'all, we have a special guest. Um, Special one because he is my husband, and I'm really excited that he's here. Um, And he's way smarter than me. And so he's going to talk to us a little bit about Juneteenth and kind of tell us, like, the history behind it. And our goal today really is just to have this open dialogue with him about Juneteenth and then processing um, some of the trauma that exists within the black community seems like both past and present, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I'm looking forward to this. Yes, me too. <laughs> so this is my husband. His name is Dustin McGowan. Do you want to tell us anything else about yourself besides the fact that you're married to me? <laughs> uh, well, glad to be here. I am Dustin McGowan, uh, the wife of the immaculate uh, Jennifer McGowan, Jennifer Joy McGowan, and uh, I, not I, my government name, y'all. Yes, full name. <laughs> you know, black mothers like to call people by their full name, so <laughs> I'm just following the tradition today. Uh, so just glad to be here. I hail from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Uh, lover of all things Wisconsin sports. Lover of my family, my two lovely boys, Micah and Malachi, and our little girl, Mercy, on the way. So we're very excited in this season for that. Um, but uh, no, I'm excited to dive into this important topic today, and it's, I'm very honored to have been invited. Well, thank you so much. Um, well, Love, why don't you just kind of get us started? Can you kind of give us a, um idea of like what is Juneteenth and why should we even celebrate it? Yeah, so uh, in a nutshell, uh, in a big overview first, Juneteenth is... Uh, celebrated on June 19th, and it was first uh, recognized as the day in which, in 1963, the slaves from Texas were finally notified that they had been emancipated from slavery, that they were free. Um, And this is two and a half years after after (laughs) They had been declared free by the Emancipation Proclamation um, by Abraham Lincoln on January 1st, 1963, and weren't notified of that until June 19th of uh, 1965. And so you could uh, uh, imagine the jubilation Mm -hmm. (laughs) of uh, those slaves now freed 
residing in Texas to know that they are free. Um, and also at the same time, the probably the anger and the frustration mm-hmm. of knowing that this freedom had existed uh, for a long period of time and had been withheld from them. Now, Texas wasn't the last state to actually recognize the the new liberty of black um, newly freed slaves. Uh, some states in the uh, West, the Northwest, um, had uh, actually in Portland area or the Washington area had still had been holding on to the institution a little longer than Texas. Uh, but uh, there is a, a major movement of what's happening, of the word actually moving west, that the slaves had been freed, and that truth that had been, been withheld from um, black slaves who were seeking freedom. And the the holiday itself is a holiday about jubilee, mm-hmm. right? That this this, historically, the holiday had been celebrated only in Texas. But as you know, as... Uh, blacks began to move west and north for better opportunities and more safety mm-hmm. um, that the holiday itself followed um, and began to expand nationally. Um, but the holiday itself is a holiday of jubilation, is jubilee, right? Liberation, freedom. Um, and for anything that is tied to uh, liberty and freedom, um, especially in the, the black historical experience, we see that it's also uh, married in a lot of ways to the darker ends of what are what are we being freed from? What are we being liberated from? And so even as we look at the historical narrative around uh, Juneteenth, that we know that uh, the smiles and the liberation of blacks being set free in Texas and across the nation, while it is a happy moment for uh, newly free black slaves, right, you know, the, the oppressors at the same time are not happy about right. this, right? And as we see across the country, and not just in Texas, that um, the newly freed slaves were met with oppression as now as freed Americans um, and uh, of those who did not want them to be free, mm-hmm. who did not want to uh, let go of their property, mm-hmm. uh, who did not want to live side by side, um, hand in hand with uh, freed slaves. And so uh, there, this begins the beginning of moving into uh, um, the Jim Crow era. And mm-hmm. so... Um, and so post-Civil War America is very dark. Um, and, uh, and we see the, the freedom of, of black slaves, freed black slaves now um, in the complexity of living um, as freed people in America. And it's incredibly complex, violent, and, and difficult. But once a year, <laughs> there's the reminder that, you no, know, the chains are no longer um, on us as a people. Yeah, I mean, y'all, at some point, my husband's going to start his own podcast. Um, But we're really glad that he was able to kind of break that down and give us a lot more detailed history of what Juneteenth really, really means. Um, The things that kind of stick out the most to me about Juneteenth is, I mean, you said Jubilee like two or three times. And in my head, like I'm remembering some of the things that I've read about just how bloody 
Juneteenth was, that for Texas there were slaves who had tried to rebel just before getting that knowledge. And many of them were lynched or killed. Um, and I remember reading um, some articles about how um, when they finally did get the news and they decided to start celebrating, they would wear white. Like it was like the colors of like white and red were really important to the people. It's like highlighting like the blood that was shed. But then white, usually for an enslaved person, was like their best, like their best thing that they could wear. Um, so just like this, it just feels like there's so much tension in Juneteenth. Like it's not just that they were freed um, two years later that they find out about this, um, but even in that moment, like they were still fighting for their freedom mm -hmm. and then found out you've, you've been free mm -hmm. for two years. Like that, like that just feels really heavy. Of like what would they have been really experiencing? Yeah, I think the backdrop of this entire scenario is one, slavery itself and then the Civil War, mm -hmm. right? And so uh, what, what Abraham Lincoln actually does when he uh, signs the Emancipation Proclamation is that he empowers the, the Union Army <laughs> with the, the desire for freedom from Southern slaves, right? And so uh, the cause of freed slave, uh, slaves who would eventually be free in the South actually empower the Northern fight against the South, the Confederates. Mm. And so when we see that there is, that there's, that there's forces right, that are seeking to suppress that, mm -hmm. right, and that those who would want to see black people in chains for economic reasons, all right, are not going to let go of that easily. And so we see historically from Nat Turner and other slave rebellions um, um, in the Americas, in the Central Americas, right, that in America and the Central Americas, that there's, uh, that when they were squashed, that they were squashed with, um, it, with, uh, with lots of blood and violence, right? That not just those who participated in the rebellion, but right. they killed over and beyond as an example, right, to others not to do the same. Mm -hmm. But the thing that we see in um, Civil War and post um, and Reconstruction, post-Civil War Reconstruction era America, is that... Uh, there's this this strength from black people that they're no longer going to be subservient, mm -hmm. right? And so a lot of that um, uh, uh, peace had been permanently fractured, mm -hmm. that you had a contingency of people who, of slaves, and this is not to uh, look down upon them, but who, who were passive and to a degree to get along, right? Because they knew that their uprising was the death of their loved ones and their children mm -hmm. and, and the men um, in their communities. And so they tried to get along. But mm -hmm. now as freed people, you have a different <laughs> set, right? And so, uh, and so they began to live in light of that. And so, and not in this sense of, of retribution, right? right? But also, but wanting to live in independence and peace, mm -hmm. right? And wherever they go, having that trampled upon and followed them. So what you would see after the Civil War is that you, had, you saw these things called slave codes, 
right, that um, that were these laws across the South that regulated the freedoms, right, of newly freed. The freedoms in quotation marks. Right, the freedoms of newly freed blacks in the South. That's crazy. Right? About uh, uh, curfews, about Mm -hmm. how many hours they had to to work on certain days like and so a lot of so so the primary um way which most free blacks made a living was in sharecropping mm-hmm. right and so it was basically this thing that was uh slavery you know 2.0 right and so in order to be a sharecropper you had to have land you had to have uh tools you had to have different resources in order to be able to work and harvest the land Right, but freed slaves obviously didn't have the access to any of those things, right? And so uh, former slave owners who wanted to still benefit and also uh, stifle the economic progress of freed slaves would uh, bind newly freed slaves in these contracts economically Mm -hmm. that would not allow them to uh, get out from under the weight. And so... um, Whenever they, if they took a day off, they were penalized, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. If they wanted to go to church on Sundays, right? Mm-hmm. If they got sick, right? Any of these kinds of things, right? Or if they uh, wanted to leave and move to the north or if anybody who was a part of their family, they're all a part of the contract. You know, if they had 10 mm-hmm. people and two of them decided to say, I'm not going to deal with this mm-hmm. anymore. And they moved north to, uh, to Chicago or Detroit or somewhere. And uh, the rest of the family was penalized and it was added to the, the debt that they had. Mm-hmm. Right. So it was this kind of system that would uh, perpetually keep them indebted to the former mm-hmm. slave owners that they would never be able to get out from under them. So mm-hmm. they were technically free. Right. Mm -hmm. But economically, they were in chains. Right. right? Mm -hmm. And so you had a lot of these systems and and rules and laws that really stifled the freedom in the South. And so you and so you have people moving further west. You have people moving to the north to try to get out of out from under those things. But we see that even in Juneteenth, that this is actually just a transition from one struggle to the next in the black experience. And so we know as history develops that um, more complex systems and laws that even were existence before uh, came into place to replace the slave system Mm -hmm. um, that made uh, the life for freed black slaves uh, um, even more complicated and oppressive. Mm -hmm. Just look different. The things that they don't teach us in school. Listen. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) Again, you need to have your own podcast because it's, I mean, it's just, I just feel like this information is just really helpful Mm -hmm. of having a thorough understanding of why Juneteenth matters and should matter so much. Uh, Not just even to the black community, but to America. Absolutely. Right? Like. Um, I mean, you often hear that phrase, right, that black history is American history. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's so much of it that we just don't know. Like you said, right. we, we're not taught in schools. Uh, we don't understand the complexity of what Juneteenth mm-hmm. means. And it just makes me think even now, of like the backdrop of like 2022, here we are um, coming after uh you know, two years of seeing so many black men and women. I mean, and still, like, I'm still seeing things on my newsfeed on Instagram about black men and women who have recently been um, brutalized um, and murdered 
by police officers all over the country. Um, and here we are two, two years um, later still uh, fighting this fight of trying to maintain that tension of like celebration of um, black people and our advancement, but then also still feeling as if like there are these slave codes. There are these things that are created within our society to hold us back, keep us from advancing, um, allowing other people to have more power and authority over us. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just it, it just feels heavy. Like, I don't know, like, I'm just checking in with my body of, like, this feels heavy. It does. Even when Dustin mentioned, like, how they just wanted to live in peace, and so they just tried to get along, right? And so it made me think of my cousin um, being 17 years old, a black male, and getting under the wheel for the first time, and how he's checking in and making sure, like, what don't I need to do? I don't want to get pulled over by the police. So he's just trying to get along so he's not targeted. And that's just heartbreaking, and it's extremely heavy because it's still very much alive today. Right, and that would be that, what what does that call, like that trans slave mentality like that ptsd slave mentality right that we Mm -hmm. just that is just innate in us Mm -hmm. right the like our ancestors felt that the need of like let's just get along let's keep the peace Mm -hmm. i don't want them to take my kids from me or my sister from me or whatever um because like what dustin said it would impact the whole family impact everybody Mm -hmm. and so now 2022 a 17 year old boy is Checking in with his mom and dad every every yeah. time he stops somewhere, like, okay, I'm here, I'm there. Did right. you see me? <laughs> I have my seatbelt on. I'm not <laughs> texting. <laughs> I'm not driving too fast, right? right? Like, man, like even our kids are living under this fear. Mm. I'm wondering, like, um, as we kind of transition to this backdrop of where we are now, like, I don't know, like, who wants to reply first, Dustin or Denisha? Um, but like, how do y'all see that that connection? Like, for me, I, I make the connection of Juneteenth in and of itself is bloody, and here we are looking back at the men and women who have been murdered um, by police brutality, um, and then also, I mean, when I read about Juneteenth, it just talks about this aspect of celebration, jubilee, liberation, um, and then I'm like, oh, but there's so much pain though. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a lot of pain. There's a lot of grief. And how do we kind of just make room for both? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think before even your comments, uh, I think what you were alluding to was this concept of post-traumatic slave syndrome yes, yes. by Dr. Uh, uh, Joy DeGruy. Mm-hmm. And uh, and just talking about the, the, the matriculating effects of throughout generations of mm-hmm of the trauma that slavery leaves behind. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the difficult things about living within the black American experience is that that even most of our celebrations are also stained with trauma, mm-hmm. right? And so we, we, look at a, uh, mm-hmm. we look at things like Black History Month and we look at things like uh, Juneteenth and other celebrations that they are all on the backdrop of this historical oppression that our people have experienced. And so one of the things that we really think about is that is that black culture is a unique culture historically, right? That black people come from Africa and they have everything stripped from them, right? 
their language, their culture, their music, all these things. And they actually created an, an entirely new culture out of the ashes of what was taken from them. And so, but, you know, inherently, right, that, that culture that is built is built on the foundation of what was taken. Right. And so as we look forward, we always look back. And so it's this kind of like Sankofa idea, looking forward and always looking back at the same perpetually, you know, um, and uh, and that's how we live. And so there's that complexity. And so we look at it in our, our current narrative as we look as people who are still longing Right. Mm-hmm. A lot of the narrative of Juneteenth is the longing. We have been set free, but we are longing to actually really experience and to live into that freedom. Right. I think about the song We Shall Overcome. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's in one of the lines it says, One day we'll all be free. Right? All be free. And that's and that's what we long to see and to experience. Not just freedom on paper. Right. But freedom in experience. And so that's freedom from the fear of having to fear police brutality. Mm -hmm. That is freedom from having to um, experience inequities in our institutions. Mm -hmm. Right. That's freedom from the sense of uh, thinking that I don't belong Mm -hmm. in certain Mm -hmm. places. And so freedom and the hope that we have as we even celebrate Juneteenth is the longing of of liberation truly experienced and lived into, right? And this is a lot of what our, our leaders have talked about historically. Mm-hmm. And so, um, like, how do we really experience this freedom and live into that, the promises that were made that we uh, still hope to see? Yeah, no, I think that's good. Mm-hmm. It makes me think about just the mental health aspect of oftentimes like you know we sit with clients and we're trying to hold that tension right of like their mourning and their grief um but then also like i oftentimes hear clients like but sometimes like you know things are so good like in my life like yeah but i'm still kind of sad or i still Mm kind of feel this pain or um i may have you know some ptsd Mm -hmm. um and it is the tension between the two. And I, I, I feel like as a black woman, as a black mom, I find it hard to hold that tension of, like, I want to know every person who's ever, like, been murdered by police. But right. then the reality is, like, I can't. It's impossible, right? So what do I do with that? Like, how do yeah. I honor these people? Um and also live into the jubilee and the joy right. that is also set before me. So it's like those two parts that can feel so heavy, right? Mm-hmm. Like that longing mm-hmm. for connection, right? But then that protection. Right. Yeah. I got to keep myself safe. I got to keep my family safe. Yeah. I have to keep my baby safe. Like, what does this yeah. even look like? But yet still there's this longing for me to connect, for them to connect. Mm-hmm. And that's hard. And mm-hmm. it's heavy. And we sit in it all the time with our clients. All of the time. Mm-hmm. I think, especially when I've had the opportunity to work with black clients um the like my greatest joy has been giving them permission to not know all the things to shut off social media um to remind them that joy in and of itself is resistance Mm -hmm. um to set boundaries for themselves when it comes to what they are taking in absolutely um from the media because what we what we know professionally is that 
the more that black men and black women view black death, um, it makes us more depressed. Like we can have increased symptoms of depression. We can be having flashbacks of PTSD mm-hmm. um, just from viewing that. Right. And, and I mean, that's stuff that we that the field has already known that a child who just views physical abuse within their home, mm-hmm. their brain does not develop properly. Absolutely. Um, just as much as a child who is actually physically abused. Mm-hmm. And so how much more for us right. <laughs> like we're we're viewing over and over again the death of George mm-hmm. Floyd or Atiana Brown like Atiana Jefferson like that stuff triggers something in our brain absolutely um, yeah. and so I hope like for our audience y'all hear Denisha and I say and I'm sure Dustin would agree um that like we don't have to one we don't have to respond to everything that happens in the mm-hmm. news um and two the act of living in joy and freedom, um, that in and of itself is is an act of resistance to the... The Black Joy Movement is. Yeah, yeah the Black Joy Movement mm-hmm. itself is an act of resistance. I'm not sure what y'all would add to that. I 100% agree. Like, that's what... We would not have the Black Joy Movement if it wasn't for the oppression, right? Mm-hmm. Like it is. It's a, a movement of resistance. Mm-hmm. Um, you do the research on it, and that's everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that just seems I'm sitting here and I've been so educated by I don't know if I should say Mr. Dustin McGowan or doctor. Right. Like <laughs> soon, soon. I'm trying yes. to make him go get a Ph.D. I'm trying. Um, but I'm sitting here thinking like we have come a long way. Yeah. But we're not there yet. Right. Mm. Yeah. I, I love that. Joy is resistance. Like even to expand it further, I think. Black culture is mm-hmm. resilience and resistance, mm-hmm. right? And so um, in that, a lot of the themes that come out of that, right? The, like black black culture, black music is the foundations of most popular music now. We talk yeah. about jazz and the blues and these a lot of these genres that are, you know, R&B, that are, you know, melodic, but with chords of sadness, Mm-hmm. But also, also triumph and liberation, yep. right? And uh, become right the soundtrack of our our country, mm-hmm. right? And so, um, but that is constant um, reminder of the resilience and the resistance of our existence, right? Mm-hmm. In the land that did not intentionally that did not originally intend for us to be free. Right, but are free nonetheless, mm-hmm. right? And you live in light of that, right? In every space that you occupy, you pursue that, right? And so it's a lot of that, even that, 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 uh, that the thought of, you know, you have to do work twice as hard and be twice as good, mm-hmm. right? But is that at that wherever I go, whatever sector I am, I'm, I'm in, that I'm going to strive for excellence <laughs> right because my presence is resistance mm-hmm. and so uh so wherever i am i need to be, I, I need to be great 
<laughs> right? Because I'm not wanted to be here, but I, I'm going to be here and make a mark. And so that's what you have seen over the course of black history in, in America, which is one of the reasons why it needs to be, you know, taught and, and celebrated um, and spread, not just in our country, but globally, right? You see the impact of black culture on the world. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and I think those things can't be forgotten. Like, we are people who have suffered but have never been hopeless people mm-hmm. and, um, and, and have never lost joy. And so that is... That has to be remain at the center of the essence of all of those celebrations, particularly Juneteenth. Um, Denise and I are going to close in a different way today. Normally, y'all, we do a moment of just um, gratitude, right? Because we believe that the research that talks about um, even if we are fearful and have some anxiety about our future, gratitude is a thing that can be really grounding for us and that is the thing that can really change um, our mental health and so today we wanted to read a list of the names of the black men and women who had um, been murdered by police brutality and our goal in this is really uh, going back to our episode on grief right about just like honoring um, another way to say hello and goodbye to these men and women who unfortunately lost their lives um, to police police brutality. But before we do that, I do want um, just like the three of us to just kind of say what's one thing that we hope the audience kind of walks away with um, and then we can go into the names. I don't know what you're going to say, babe, but I'm going to take what you just said because I want people to hear what you said and I thought it was really, really good. I want to repeat it. But just you said something about your presence being the resistance. And so I remember when I and I was working in Chicago, I used to work at a domestic violence shelter. And I remember there's always a reason to protest um, in our world. And I remember being really frustrated by that and having to have this conversation with my colleagues about like joy. Them just encouraging me like, you're like your presence here is enough. You're you're already protesting something. You're already um, trying to make this world better by being exactly where you are, and mm-hmm. just giving that like that affirmation of like, okay, I don't always have to go to the protest um, in order to say like I'm a part of this movement. And so, so wherever your presence is, <laughs> like if you are a black American, your presence, wherever you are, in your home, at your job, um, if you're a teacher, if you're a bus driver, if you're the janitor, uh, if you're a therapist like us, if you're a minister, like your very presence is part of the movement. And you are showing people um, that this is who we are as a people. (laughs) We always have hope. Um, And so, sorry for stealing your words, but they were better than mine. <laughs> no, that's exactly what resonated with me. I love T-shirts, right. so I'm like, I need to put this on a T-shirt. Um, but it's especially, it really resonated with me growing up in northwest Arkansas and mm. oftentimes being the only little black girl in the room, in a classroom. My siblings were the only, and the first black um, children to attend Happy Hollow Elementary School in Fayetteville. And so just... If I would have, you know, had those words back then, like, my presence is enough. Like, oh, my gosh. I feel like that can be a game changer. So thank you, Dustin, for sharing that. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. 
do, do you have other words that you say? <laughs> right. <laughs> like, well, let me get my notebook out. I'm grateful to be a part of the conversation. <laughs> I know this podcast is is dope, and I'm just glad to be here. But no, I just think the thing that we have to hold on to is, is hope and joy. Mm. Um, and those things, I, I, in various seasons of life as black people in America, can be um, difficult to hold tightly. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and but those are the things that um, are, carry the most power, mm-hmm. right? It is the 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 reality of the of our ancestors who, though they were not free, they did not lose the hope of freedom, right? For their children and grandchildren and great grandchildren, right? Even after Juneteenth and they lit in the oppression that they lived in and you know and Reconstruction and Jim Crow America, right? They did not lose, right, the hope of a better future for their descendants. Right. And even as we live now, like even in our America who has come in a has come a long way and still has uh quite a ways to go. Mm-hmm. Right. We don't lose hope, right, for ourselves and for the generations to come. Right, and we celebrate the joy of, of how far we have come, mm-hmm. and how much we have done, right, and how much we have contributed to this project that is America, right, as beautiful and ugly simultaneously as it is, right, mm-hmm. and those are the things that we celebrate that look strange to people who don't understand the narrative of black people, mm-hmm. right? But we celebrate nonetheless because we know the story, mm-hmm. right? And we know how important it is to who we are as a people. As you read these names, like that's kind of what I, uh, that's kind of what I vision as reading these names of like, just remembering these men and women and that it is, it is their blood that still cries out in the streets. Um, I remember when I saw um, Mike Brown get shot and I just remember how long his body laid there in the street, right? Um, and so as we, as we read these names, um, we will include the link to these names. This is not an exhaustive list of every single person um, who has been shot, but the, but the list is long. And I hope that we just take a moment, if you're riding in your car, um, walking, you just take a moment to honor these men and women. Um, and this is this is the tension that we live in, right? Like having that hope, uh, that joy. Um, and then again, like we said, we're just gonna honor these men and women. Dante Demetrius Wright. Marvin. David Scott III. Patrick Lynn Warren Sr. Vincent Vinnie Belmonte. Angelo Quinto. Andre Maurice Hill. Casey Christopher Goodson Jr. Angelo A.J. Crooms. Sincere Pierce. Marcellus Stennett. Jonathan Dwayne Price. Dijon Duran Kizzy, Richard Brooks, Carlos Carson, David Matty, Tony Tony the Tiger McDade, George Perry Floyd, Drayshawn Sean Reed, Michael Brent Charles Ramos, Daniel T. 
Prude. Brianna Taylor. Manuel Manny Elijah Ellis. William Howard Green. John Elliot Neville. Atiana Coquise Jefferson. Elijah McLean. Ronald Green. Javier Ambler. Sterling Laprie Higgins. Gregory Lloyd Edwards. Emotic E.J. Fitzgerald Bradford Jr. Charles Chop Roundtree Jr. Chinedu Okobi. Anton Milbert LaRue Black. Botham Shem Jean. Antoine Rose Jr. Sahid Vassil. Stefan Alonzo Clark. Dennis Plowden Jr. Bajan Gashir. Aaron Bailey. Charlena Siobhan Lyes. The fetus of Charlena Siobhan Lyes was 14 to 15 weeks. Jordan Edwards. Chad Robinson. Deborah Danner. Alfred Alongo. Terrence Crutcher. Terrence Liddell Sterling. Corin Gaines. Joseph Curtis Mann. Philando Castile. Alton Sterling. Betty, Betty Boo Jones. Quintonio LaGreer. Corey Lamar Jones. Jamar O'Neill Clark. Jeremy Bam Bam McDowell. India Kager. Samuel Vincent Dubois. Sandra Bland. Brendan K. Glenn. Freddie Carlos Gray, Jr. Walter Lamar Scott. Eric Courtney Harris. Philip Gregory White. Maya Shawatsa Hall. Megan Harkaday. Tony Terrell Robinson, Jr. Janissa Fonville. Natasha McKenna. Jerame C. Reed. Romaine Bisborne. Tamir Rice. Akai Kareem Gurley. Tanisha N. Anderson. Dante Parker. Azel Ford. Michael Brown, Jr. John Crawford III. Tyreed Woodson. Eric Garner. Dontre Hamilton. Victor White III. Gabriella Monique Navarez. Yvette Smith. Mackenzie J. Cochran. Jordan Baker. Andy Lopez. Miriam Iris Carey. Barrington B.J. Williams. Jonathan Farrell. Carlos Alsis. Larry Eugene Jackson Jr. Kayam Livingston. Clinton R. Allen. Kamani Kiki Gray. Kayla Moore. Jamal Moore Sr. Johnny Kamai Warren. Shelly Marie Frey. Darnisha Diana Harris. Timothy Russell. Melissa Williams. Noel Palanco. Reynaldo Cavellas. Chavez Carter. Elisa Thomas. Chantel Davis. Charmel T. Edwards. Taman Robinson. Irvin Lee Jefferson III. Kendrick McDade. Rakia Boyd. Sharice Francis. Jersey K. Green. 
Wendell James Allen. Namaya Lazar Dillard. Dante Lamar Price. Raymond Luther Allen Jr. Manuel Levi Loggins Jr. Ramarley Graham. Kenneth Chamberlain Sr. Alonzo Ashley. Derek Williams. Raheem Brown Jr. Reginald Doucet. Derek Jones. Dan Roy D.J. Henry Jr. Ayana Monet Stanley Jones. Stephen Eugene Washington. Aaron Campbell. Kawani Carrington. Victor Steen. Shem Walker. Oscar Grant III. Tarika Wilson. Deonta Terrell Farrow. Sean Bell. Katherine Johnston. Ronald Curtis Madison. James B. Brissett, Jr. Henry Ace Glover. Timothy Stansberry, Jr. Osman Zongo. Alberta Spruill. Kendra Sari James. Orlando Barlow. Nelson Martinez Mendez. Timothy Dwayne Thomas, Jr. Ronald Beasley. Earl Murray. Patrick Moses Dorismond. Prince Carmen Jones, Jr. Malcolm Ferguson. Latanya Haggerty. Margaret Laverne Mitchell. Amadou Diallo. Taisha Shani Miller. Danette Strawberry Daniels. Frankie Ann Perkins. Nicholas Hayward, Jr. Mary Mitchell. Yvonne Smallwood. Eleanor Bumpers. Michael Jerome Stewart. Uella May Love, Arthur Miller, Randolph Evans, Barry Jean Evans, Rita Lloyd, Philip Lafayette Gibbs, James Earl Green, Henry Dumas. Thank y'all so much for joining us on the podcast today. Remember, as always, if you are in need of a therapist, you can visit therapyforblackgirls.com. And you can find a therapist by using your um, zip code and whatever kind of insurance that you may have. You can also check psychologytoday.com. You can also use your zip code and whatever insurance you may have, and they will help you find a therapist near you. I'm Joy McGowan. And I'm Denisha Simpson. And, and we, we are Resilient, Resilient Black, Black Women. Most beautiful, might I say. That's why they copy our hallways. That's why they sit and they stare. But don't let them touch your hair. Those roots were formed before you were even here. And may God bless the souls that was lost so we persevere. A black woman from Chicago had prayed for me every night. That black woman sent me away one summer and saved my life. I know.